you're one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, close encounters of the curious kind. Whales interacting with humans. Your teacher is Dr Vanessa Perotta, marine scientist at Macquarie University. Vanessa, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Richard. We're going to focus particularly on, on two, well, one individual whale, but also a, a group of whales. Maybe we'll start off uh, with these whales that are in Iberia, which are targeting boats. Yeah, that's right. So your listeners may have heard of these killer whales, what people call attacking, although I have been reprimanded for using that word, but they're more likely to be biting. It's up to you, however you interpret it. But there are some killer whales off Spain and Portugal that are going up to boats and biting them, and in some cases sinking the vessels, and this has been happening since 2020. So it's just, it's ramping up now in its activity. Mm. And it's really quite fierce, isn't it? Mariners have filmed the killer whales biting rudders, causing steering wheels to, to violently move from side to side, uh, created holes in boats. They've sunk at least three vessels. Yeah, it, 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 this is really serious stuff. Now, we don't exactly know why this is going on, but what has been been able to identify is that there's been a few individuals that they've been able to go, uh-huh, that's, that's White Gladys. So that's the name of one of the main females who's been seen doing this repeatedly. And as a result, killer whales are very social. So is it the case that the other killer whales are copying her behaviour or just hanging out with her and, and doing what she's doing? And the theory might be, which grows stronger every day, is this potentially one killer whale has been unfortunately hit by a vessel and, and now has some sort of revenge or wants to get back at the boat. So what I'm making the argument in my conversation piece is that perhaps boats are just a really cool toy. They make a lot of sound, they move, and then once you break a rudder off a, a boat, they don't do too much anymore, so they're not interesting and they, they move on. Hmm. I have heard the story about another large animal, a land animal this time, of, of, of elephants, for instance, whereby a mother might lose a, a calf to a, to a car on a, on, a, on a road and then spend the rest of her life, you know, attacking vehicles. Yeah, well, they're mammals. They're highly intelligent like us. We're kind of intelligent, right? We hope. Uh, and, and the trauma that these animals can undergo, and that is a great example of an individual having a traumatic event in their lives, and as a result, their behaviour going forward is, is one that's negative and very dangerous for us humans. Okay, so what do they do, these mariners of Viberia? Well, there's not much you can do. There's this great footage of this guy just having a cup of tea as the killer whales are just biting onto the rudder. Some have had to have maritime assistance because they, their boat will just not work anymore. These killer whales have come up to their vessel and rendered it helpless. There's not much that can be done, and that's one of the big problems and one of the things we're trying to work out right now because no one wants killer whales to be harmed and then people also want people to have a safe passage. So it's a very big political thing right now. Okay, then there's another a slightly different but but in a, in a way similar story about a, a beluga whale who's popped up again this time in Sweden. Now, this whale seems to be more friendly than the, the others but still is causing a lot of uncertainty about how to deal with it. Oh, that's right. So the famous Russian spy whale that some of your listeners might have heard of that we first met in 2019. Well, Haldi or Haldemir has now since been seen in Swedish waters. So this is a, a beluga whale that was most likely trained because it was wearing a harness. And this animal it actively goes up to people and seeks their attention. Now, there's been an update, Richard. This morning I've seen on socials he is now back in Norwegian waters. 
So there was the concern that being in Swedish waters would have more people with it, there'd be less fish for him to eat, and people just wanted to capture this beluga whale and put him into a, a captivity, although they, they deem it not to be, and in hopes that, you know, he would be able to be protected there. But he's since proven his smarts. He's been swimming for four years now, and he's back in Norway. So hopefully there there's more water with uh, fresh fish because it's quite cold up that way. So more productivity in the area, which means good good fish and good food, and hopefully he can continue to dodge the many problems that us as humans create for him. One of the theories with, with that particular whale is that he's inured to humans because he was trained up by humans to be a, a, a maybe a spy for the Russians. Well, the spy component is completely, we, we just don't know, but it is very likely, and yes, he was under human care for some period of time, given the fact he would have been trained to wear a, a harness, much like you train your dog to wear a collar, and also the fact that it knows that humans aren't really scary, so it goes up to people. People love this one beluga whale. My goodness, he has a fan following all around the world. People go crazy for him. So you mentioned those those plans when he was still in Sweden to take him into a sort of fjord of, of his own to protect him, but that sounds like another word for a, a kind of natural zoo, doesn't it? Well, yes, this is a tricky thing because really at the end of the day he will bring with, as long as he's around, there is the risk that people are going to continue to want to see him. And that's that's natural, right? People want are curious about a marine animal that's very charismatic. So that's a worry. But then if we put him into a fjord or a place where he can stay put, how are they going to source feeding him and, and keep him in there? Well, people are going to pay to see him. So very much it is that sort of sea circus thing. Or do we have a Freya the walrus where in order to combat this problem, he's euthanized, which I can tell you right now would not be the thing going forward. So it's a very tricky situation. I mean, one of the things with the Iberian whales, in a way, it's maybe they have trends and, uh, and enthuse- passing enthusiasms as we do for the, for the yo-yo or the, or the hula hoop. There was this uh, salmon hat trend, wasn't there, in the, in the 1980s among killer whales? Oh, yeah, that was totally the thing to do. Kill a salmon, then wear it on your head, and then voila, parade around. Everyone loves the salmon-wearing killer whales, um, but they don't do that very often. In fact, that was just a, a fad during a summer. And this could well be the in-vogue thing to do, that rudders are completely the coolest thing out. Will it fade away? I'm hoping it's going to fade away, but really, this is this, we're, we're on two years now that this is still happening what is it? Why? And and I guess we'll learn more every day. But the main thing here is managing this complex interaction with both humans and marine mammals. How do we deal with it? Watch this space, Richard. On the text, Zed from the from Wollongong says, maybe they're they're just protecting their fish stocks. They must be smart enough to know that it is the the uh, the mariners who are depleting their fish stocks. That's a very good point. I don't know, but it is a very valid point because these killer whales, unfortunately, are they feed on tuna and we as humans, funny enough, we're creating reduced amount of availability. But then, Richard, if they are worried about that so much, then why are they wasting their precious resources and energy budgets biting boats? They should be out there fishing. Or maybe they're just so annoyed at that that maybe that's why they're doing it. So, you know, never say never. Peter says, uh, I sincerely believe we will soon be able to translate whale speak and we will be quite shocked and distressed by what they have to say about us. I mean, it is true what Peter says, that we, we have created an environment which is very difficult for whales, particularly where they interact closely with humans. We have. If we think of the whale migration right now happening off Sydney, thousands of whales are making their way through this jungle of 
boats, underwater construction, fishing gear. There are so many things in place that we place for these poor creatures that they have to navigate around and that us scientists have to try and mitigate. With a recovering whale population, that's really good, but then we have more potential interactions for some of these negative things. So how do we all exist in with you know a, a perfect world as one? It's definitely tricky and it's a challenge going forward for us scientists. Is it partly about sound as well? Have we created a very noisy environment? I, I know that the communication of messages whale to whale is pretty important. Sound is incredibly important for whales, especially a low-frequency communicator like a humpback whale. They're the ones that make those low sounds, kind of like me talking to you from Macquarie University to your studio there in Ultimo. We could have that conversation if we yelled, but because there's so much going on around us that our availability or space to talk is reduced. And that is exactly what is going on in the ocean. So, and we do know with humpback whales in particular, that when there's loud wind and it's really noisy on the surface, the humpback whales will speak louder and and talk louder. But when there's more vessels in the area, one study has found that they didn't change their or raise their voice in, in response to that. So yeah, there is examples of the whales trying to compensate and to deal with acoustic pollution, which is definitely a thing. Okay, well, don't annoy them too much or they might bite a hole in your boat as they're doing for the uh, mariners of Iberia. Yes, well, fortunately a humpback whale couldn't bite a hole in your boat because they have no teeth. But a killer <laughs> whale? Absolutely. Sure can. Hey, uh, good on you, Vanessa. Thanks so much. Thank you. There's a Vanessa Parotta. Vanessa's a wildlife scientist at Macquarie University. You can listen to her lesson again, of course, Self-Improvement Wednesday at abc.net.au. Next week, Dr David Eldridge, Professor in the School of Earth and Environmental Sciences at the University of New South Wales. His topic on why moss is vital for the health of our ecosystems. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week.